0: Well, praise the Lord this morning, everybody. I hope everybody is having a good morning. And uh, I hope you're feeling good. And I hope you're ready to serve the Lord all day long, every day, until Jesus comes back. Or until we stand before Him in His presence. Praise God. It's a joy and a delight to be with you. Recently, I say recently, it was really a little over a year ago now. when I taught the book of Revelation chapters 8 and 9, here's how that kind of worked. Uh, I really don't remember exactly when I started the book of Revelation, but it was over a year ago, and I taped uh, uh, the first 12 chapters, but I had some surgery in the midst of it, so it was like maybe a year and a half ago I did the first six chapters, and then about six months later I came back and I I talked over radio, uh, chapters 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. And then just in 2020, I picked back up and finished the book. So the book of Revelation is completely recorded. There's parts of it I'm not quite exactly uh, thrilled about because I was sick for a while. And you, you know how it goes. Sometimes you, you do your best and you plow through difficulties. Amen? Isn't that really what... Living for Christ is all about. Sometimes you do your best and you plow through difficulties. So we don't want to belabor on the difficulties, but there's some uh, portions of the teaching that uh, I'm not really up to par. But uh, the material is there, and we we will come back, you know, a year or two down the road, and we will take another look at some of these uh, subjects. I am working on a series right now. I'm actually working on two that I hope to have uh, done, uh, you know, by maybe midsummer. One of them is called The Gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah to God. We all need the Holy Spirit's gifts operating in and flowing through our lives to others. Let me say this uh, relative to that. Uh, the Christian life, I, I think we all we all start out, you know, we have a need, we are sinners and we need a Savior. So we come to Jesus and He meets that need. And, and very shortly we're taught uh, that He will meet our other needs as well. He will meet our practical daily needs and, and that's absolutely true. But it takes a little while of maturity to, to really see from the Word of God, especially the Gospels and the Epistles, exactly what the Christian life is really all about. And I think that our friends at Summit International School of Ministry, Times Square Church, have summed it up best over the years, when they say, it's living for the benefit of others. Jesus put us here in His name, gives us His power. He meets our needs so that we can meet the needs of others. And sometimes that's just a kind word, other times it's a smile. Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's material. It's always love. And to start looking at life that way frees you uh, in a degree that I've never known before except when I got born again. Do you remember when you got born again, how just absolutely free you felt? How wonderful you felt? And you know, it's like sometimes as we live for God for a long, long time, we just earnestly long and desire to get back to that feeling. Well, living for the benefit of others, dying to self, is the thing that has rejuvenated that feeling in me and millions of others around the world who named the name of Jesus. Praise be to God. And so the gifts of the Spirit, they are for us. They are to help us. But they're also to help others in Jesus' name. And another one that I'm working on is, uh, I don't know what we're going to call it yet, but we're really just taking a look at uh, what the Bible says about fear, depression, and discouragement. And there's a lot of other words we could throw in there, anxiety, worry, but I'm just really going to deal with those three uh, in the particular series that I'm working on right now. Fear, depression, and discouragement. And so we hope to have all of this ready by midsummer. Not quite sure when it's going to appear uh, here on Jesus Revolution with Len and Angie or on the Old Time Power podcast. And what we try to do is we try to air it once we, we'll air it one time before it's posted okay and then we post it immediately after it airs that one time and it's sometimes hard to figure out you know if it's aired because I really don't monitor the channel that much um, once in a while I'll tune in and listen And we got some really good preaching on there Carter Conlon Tim Delena, hallelujah R.W. Shambot, praise God Jimmy Swaggart hallelujah myself, Keith Malcolmson, and many, many others, as well as some of the greatest gospel music you will ever find in the world coming from various artists. And uh, so I hope you'll tune in. It's Jesus Revolution with Lennon and Angie. You can get to it from the Lennon and Angie Paxton Ministry Connect site. But getting back to the book of Revelation, I taught that uh, chapters 8 and 9, I don't know, it must have been a year ago at least. And recently, I have read a book that I found fascinating. Just absolutely fascinating. The book is called The Wormwood Prophecy NASA, Donald Trump, and a Cosmic Cover Up of End Time Proportions by Thomas Horn. Or we all just call him Tom Horn. And uh, there was a cowboy by that name, too. So sometimes, if you Google Tom Horn, you're going to get the guy that wrote this book, and I've been listening to him for about 15, 20 years. But you're also going to get a great Western story (laughs) about the cowboy, so check it out. I love history, and I know a lot of you do too. Praise God. But uh, I I did those chapters, and today I just want to make a few comments. We won't be here that long in this broadcast, but uh, about the book. It's not really a book review, but it kind of is of sorts. When I taught the book of Revelation, I taught from the King James Version of the Bible. Today I'm going to read chapter 8 in the New King James, and then I'm going to make some different points and references to what uh, Pastor Tom has written in his book. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Revelation and uh, the 8th chapter starting with the first word of the first verse. Praise God. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. And, I, and that is a time of contemplation, hopefully for many upon the earth that, that are in those tribulation days. It may be a time of repentance, hopefully prayerfully so. But it's a silent 30 minutes in heaven. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquakes. Now what's described here to me, as I just verbatim read it without looking into any Greek studies today, is there's just one tremendous cataclysmic storm that will, just, that will take place when these angels are about to reveal judgments of God. So there's a, there's a major earthquake that will take place. Thunderings and lightnings and great noises, the Bible said. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Let me make a comment. Uh, in Revelation there are three sets of seven as it relates to the judgments of God. There's the seven seals, which start in chapter 6. And when they get to the seventh seal, there's a judgment attached to it, but then also it runs right into the first trumpet. So there's seven seals, seven trumpets, and at the seventh trumpet, there's a judgment that takes place or a, a parenthetical situation is described, and then it goes right into the first vial. Or bowl some versions call it and then there's seven of those so there's three sets of seven remember this that God's number of completion God's number of perfection and is seven so when we get down to those vials in our study because I'm taping this here uh, February 27 2020 and when we get to our study uh, of eight and nine which will be coming in just some couple weeks from from this date, uh, you have to understand that when these vials are finished, there's seven of them. When the trumpets are finished, there's seven of them. And then the first set of seven, the seals, when they're finished, there's seven of them. That is God's perfect and complete judgment upon sinful humanity and upon the earth. You have to remember something and it kind of takes a while to meditate on it and actually uh, understand it from scripture and the understanding will keep growing the more you look at the word of God in this regard but you have to understand that at the fall in the Garden of Eden not only was man destroyed spiritually not only was man did man become sinful not only did it absolutely wreck the human race, the fall of man, but also the earth is spoiled because of man's sin. And in a sense, not the same way that God judges humanity, but in a sense God will judge the earth. It will be a purging of the earth. We talk about that a little bit later uh, in the book of Revelation. But in a, in a sense, the earth will need to be purged and purified because of the sin, all of the human blood that has been spilled on it. All of the hungry children who have died in some isolated part of the world and just dropped, and, and, and they were never buried, their bones just lay there and they rotted into the soil. And I know it's gross and gruesome, but it's the truth. And and for things just like this, God will bring that cleansing to the earth and purification that it so desperately needs. So the seven angels who have the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Verse 7, The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth And a third of the trees were burned up. Now we're going to come back to this later uh, uh, in just a few moments. And all green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. You see a third of the trees and green grass burned up. A third of the seas become poisoned. By blood, they—they're not drinkable. They're not usable. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. This is telling you uh, the limits of this cataclysmic event. It's one third of these particulars. So it's—it's it's not the whole earth being destroyed, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, There, there, there's not going to be, according to the book of Revelation, there is not going to be an extinction level event. But there are going to be cataclysmic events that will kill billions of people. Alright? So that's what it's saying here. A third. And then we get to the the title of uh, Pastor Tom's book, Then the third angel sounded, And a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on one-third of the rivers, and on the springs of water. So not only did it destroy the salt water of the seas, which could be translated oceans, but now it moves inland, and it ruins one-third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the water because it was made bitter. And now I want to read a little more. And then I'm going to tie this together uh, with Pastor Horn's uh, thoughts about this. Because they're very interesting. And I want to mention this. I think in the month of April, this teaching, along with Pastor Horn's book, we'll be going out to all our partners. And as you read, you will read where Tom Horn says and he's right to say it. This this is his idea or belief of what may happen. Okay? So again, we are not setting things in stone. We're not saying to you I'm not, Tom Horn's not, Derek Gilbert's not we're not saying this is what is absolutely for sure the truth going to happen. He's, Tom says over and over in the book, um, it's my belief that this will f- uh, fulfill this prophecy in Revelation 8. Now let me tell you this. I'll probably repeat this later on in the broadcast. But if that is the case, if this asteroid body is wormwood. Let me just read to you a few things of what Tom Horn said. I should finish this, but I'll come back to verse 12 in a little bit. Let me read this to you. You know, Jesus spoke to us of signs in the heavens and the asteroid in question here is Apophis. It has an earth strike date or near miss date. Of April 13th, 2029. Apophis in its root meaning is the name of an ancient Egyptian spirit of evil, darkness, destruction. It's a malevolent force that can't be stopped. It's a demon, okay? Now in light of what we know of the New Testament church, we know that there's only one power that can stop the power of the devil and demon spirits, there's only one power that can destroy them, and that's the power of the blood of Jesus. Right? So, when we say it's unstoppable, this demon spirit, and what this is, it's a literal asteroid that was named after this demon spirit, Apophis. The blood of Jesus is going to stop him, from doing what he would like to do hurl the asteroid and completely obliterate the earth but that won't happen god's actually going to allow chapter 8 of revelation to take place because it is his judgment but notice in the judgment of god and you could really not just in the book of revelation but you could really look through all of the scripture and you will see that the judgment of God is always tempered by mercy. And so here we see in our study today, it's one-third. That's a lot of people. That's billions of people. If there are 7 billion to 8 billion people on the earth by 2029, a third of them gets you up into the billions of people that will die and be affected by this, and when it hits and rocks the earth at impact, it's actually going to affect everybody who's here but in different ways. Not everybody will be wiped out. There will definitely be other people in other parts of the earth away from the uh, strike site, ground zero if you will, there will be people who in the future will die from lack of food and lack of water because of this thing hitting all right so is it an asteroid Tom doesn't say for sure that it is he says he believes that this is the fulfillment that will be Apophis if that's true April 13th 2029 it's Friday the 13th incidentally Uh, if that is true then the rapture will have had to take place around the year 2025 because this is midway through the tribulation just about okay so you're three and a half years in now we're not setting date for the rapture the Lord Jesus tells us not to set dates he instructs us that no man knows the day or the hour in that sense the rapture of the church will be secretive till it comes but buddy, you better believe me, when it gets here, everybody going to know about it, and many people are going to remember what Grandma told them. When they, were, when they were rebellious kids, and Mom and Dad made them go to church with Grandma and Grandpa, and they were sitting there, but they weren't paying attention, they weren't listening, but Grandma and Grandpa told them some stuff instantly when that rapture takes place. There will be millions of people upon planet Earth who will realize what just happened. And they won't buy into the lies of deception. Um, You know, who knows what the governments of the world are going to say. I kind of think it might be they're going to say that UFOs came and they were the originators of the human race and they took out the bad ones. But see, they're not going to buy that lie. (laughs) Some people won't because they remember the gospel that was told to them when they were children. Praise God. That's why it's, in ver- it's very important that we maintain our Christian witness in life in the way that we act, and the way that we speak. And you know, we're not perfect. Come on. I mean, right? We, we lose our temper sometimes and we get frustrated sometimes. But most people who are thinking rationally understand that and are pretty quick to forgive, you know. But you have to be humble enough to just say, hey man, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it that way or whatever. And and also, not only by the way we act and by the way we speak, but we need to be able to share the, the clear, plain, simple gospel of truth with people that they're sinners who need a Savior. And good news, God has provided a Savior for you. Amen? God has provided you with eternal life if you will just receive it. So Apophis um, is the name of an ancient Egyptian deity. It leads me to another point that I want to throw out there while not really explaining it today. All of the spirits that control the ancient empires of the world are going to make a resurgence. Many of them are even at this time that I'm speaking to you here today. They're going to make a tremendous resurgence. They are are demon spirits. They are the spirits who uh, fell from heaven with Lucifer. They are also the fallen angels who came to earth in Genesis chapter 6 and intermarried with human women and created a race of giants, the Nephilim. And these spirits are going to return. The spirit that controlled Alexander the Great is going to return. The spirit that controlled the Babylonian and the Egyptian empires will be here, again, operating on the Earth. I'm not going to go too far into that, but in the future we will talk about it a little bit more. NASA says that Apophis, understand again, Apophis is a literal asteroid it was named after an Egyptian spirit of evil, darkness, and destruction. It's a demon name given to a huge asteroid in outer space. And Tom Horn, in his book, uh, will go into all the dimensions and everything with you. NASA says it will near miss or collide with Earth on April 13th, 2029. NASA predicts that if it is a near miss, it will be so close to the Earth that it will take out some of our orbiting satellites and it will be visible in the daytime sky. That's found on page 27 of Tom Horn's book. So here's what happens. If it hits our satellites, all of our communications will be disrupted. I mean, our computers won't work, our cell phones won't work. I say our, I'm not planning to be here if this is Wormwood. If this is Wormwood, the rapture has already taken place. That was the most thrilling thing to me as I read through the book. If this is the Wormwood prophecy, hallelujah to God, we are already raptured by April 13th, 2029. Now let me say again, I don't want you to go away from here and say that Len Paxton or Tom Horn is saying that the rapture is going to take place before April 13th, 2029 because we are instructed in the Word of God in no uncertain terms not to pick dates, not to try to to, to give dates for people. Okay, but here's the thing. This book is not really doing that. And I'm not doing that, of course. But what it is saying to us is this is a possible scenario of what could be coming in the, in this next decade. It also says on uh, page 24, from page 24 uh, to page 27, it talks about how we can't shoot it down with our present capabilities. And here's the here's danger of, of shooting asteroids. If, if you're going to do that, you have to use nuclear weaponry. And if you if you explode a nuke too close to the Earth atmosphere, it will have an EMP effect. So instead of you know destroying that asteroid, it is so large that it will maybe break into pieces, but then all of those pieces are still going to hit the Earth. Maybe in different spots, maybe with a lesser impact per hit, but you've still got major problems. And it will act as an EMP and it will knock out Everything with electrical circuitry in it for possibly six months, and in some places of the world, forever. So that's, they're at a a crossroads, they can't shoot it down with our present capabilities because they would have to shoot it further, as far away from Earth as they can. Now, I don't know what kind of capabilities they will have in 2029. Tom Horn goes a little more into that in his book as well. So, and he also talks about a possible rapture date, but he is very clear, as I just was a moment ago, to make sure that you understand we're not setting dates for this thing. At this time, Apophis measures 370 meters across, and weighs in at an estimated 20 million metric tons. Right now it is traveling at 28,000 miles an hour. That's, that's You see what happens when people hit a building going 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour. Can you imagine what 28,000 miles an hour He's going to do. It's mind-blowing. It's terrifying. And again, I'll say, God doesn't give us prophecy to terrify us. He gives us prophecy to prepare us. He doesn't want to scare. He wants to prepare. And again, if this is Revelation chapter 8, we will have been raptured. And for, for those that don't believe in the rapture that thinks we're going to go through the tribulation. I pray every day that God will just have mercy on them and rapture them out anyway. Because I guarantee you for sure, you won't want to be here when these tremendous judgments begin to happen. Luke 21, verses 25 and 26, tells us to watch and keep watching the signs from the skies and uh, I want to read a quote from the book it's on page 28 of the book I'll just say that for the record here and this is a, a Greg Bear quote science writer Greg Bear of CNN not only agrees so that in other words the, the eyes of all of humanity most definitely beyond the sign in the stars from Luke very, very soon. He not only agrees, but elaborates on the consequences of Apophis colliding with our planet in less than a decade from now, admitting if it hit Earth, the impact would unleash a blast the equivalent of over a billion tons of TNT. A billion tons of TNT. Easily causing Billions of deaths and months, if not years, of climate disruption. So you could actually see as a result of this one act, and I'm going to get back into the actual text of Revelation here in just a moment and show you something else, but uh, something that the Lord showed me as I was studying this, um, you could actually see another ice age. You could actually see warm weather at the North Pole, and cold weather south of the equator for the first time. You know, so all all of you Floridians, <laughs> this is this is nice. I know it. But all of you Floridians who make fun of us Michiganders, <laughs> you know, someday, really, literally, that could be absolutely reversed on planet Earth because of the judgments of God that are coming. Also on page 29, um, notice the particular description of the first four trumpets of Revelation 8, 6 through 12 and their aftermath. If you were to ask a scientist to explain what these verses seem to be depicting, he would tell you these details in the book of Revelation 8, 6 through 12 very much match the sequence of other of either a binary asteroid two asteroids that are orbiting a common barycenter the center of mass around two or more bodies accompanied with smaller fragments or the breakup of a larger asteroid into two main portions accompanied with tons of smaller debris as they enter earth's atmosphere followed by impact. Now here's what that really means in layman's terms, because I had to really decipher some of this. It is, it it does get a little bit technical in the book in some places, but it's fun to look it up and see what they mean, what they're talking about. Uh, Once a planetary body enters Earth's atmosphere, the, the Earth's magnetic force pulls it to the Earth. That's how you can launch a rocket, and when they get out of the atmosphere, they can drive around up in space, so to speak, for as long as they can hold out. As long as they have supplies and fuel, and that's why there's space stations that people are going up there, surviving and doing experiments, because they're outside of Earth's atmosphere. But then there is a re-entry and I, I kind of grew up watching the earliest Apollo missions uh, on television, and they showed how when that uh, module came back through the Earth's atmosphere, it was on fire. But it was made of material, of course, that it didn't burn up. But the, the, there were flames and fire surrounding its entry. It's going to be the same with this. And then, Earth's gravitational pull pulled it right straight to planet Earth, and that is what will happen to this. And he also spoke of a debris field. And if you, we're going to read these scriptures closer here in a minute, and we will see those debris fields, and we will see that these first four judgments or trumpets, the first four trumpets of Revelation 8, could possibly be describing the same event. Very same event, and four judgments sound at that time. So let's keep reading here. I want to read a little more. Uh, let's read uh, Revelation 8 6 and 7 again. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Aside from the obvious correlation to the seventh plague of the exodus, hail and fire being cast upon the Earth, scorching and setting ablaze fields and forests, this easily matches the first smaller portions of an incoming binary asteroid or a debris field detached from the larger space body upon impact with our atmosphere. Alternatively, These minor meteor fragments could be debris caught in the gravitational pull of a single large asteroid that enters Earth's atmosphere ahead of the colossal rock wormwood, okay, Apophis, ahead of that. So we're talking here all together, and we'll read through these verses, uh, we're talking about possibly uh, a debris field, and three asteroids in the same event. One of them is named Apophis. One of them is called Wormwood. If if this is the Wormwood prophecy, then it would be called Wormwood because that's what the Bible said it would be called. Now listen to the next two verses. The second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood, and the third part of the creatures in the sea had life, died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. So immediately following this first trumpet, um, with what Brother Horn believes to be smaller portions of red, hot, fragmented asteroid materials, a picture begins to emerge of a large burning mountain. Exactly how ancients have described seeing a sizable asteroid as it passed through the atmosphere toward the earth and it will impact the sea, killing a third part of the oceans life, wiping out ships with tidal activity, it will cause tsunamis, it will cause an earthquake, and on and on and on we could go. This appears to be the first of two larger parts of a massive disintegrating asteroid, or the first part of a two space object observe what happens directly following this when the next trumpet sounds and that's revelation 8 10 and 11 third angel sounded there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters and the name of the star is called wormwood and the third part of the waters became wormwood and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter." So this third trumpet details what sounds like the second gigantic asteroid fragment burning as it were a lamp, again exactly how John of Patmos when he was exiled there, the Apostle John would have explained this massive asteroid section blazing toward the world. you got to remember they didn't have the scientific terms that we have today. When John saw this vision he, he would have had to describe it in terminology that they were familiar with in that time. Okay, so when this one impacts, it causes tributaries to become polluted, including the waters that are normally purified for drinking, and so many people will die as a result of having poisoned water. And then it ends with, the fourth angel sounded, Revelation 8:12, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and day shone not, for a third part of it, and the night likewise. So, when we rock the earth off of its axis, our day and night is all messed up, our weather will be all messed up, everything just kind of takes on a different uh, uh, perspective. Some have said that when it is daylight there will be an orangish pink hue that would be visible all over the earth at that time. It wouldn't be like we see, a, you know, we have beautiful blue sky and a sunny day and it would be an orangish pink hue And there's a part that we're going to come to here where it actually says, because of these impacts, that the sun is blocked out. And that's the result, Tom Horn believes, of the debris and all the dust particles and the... I mean, it's bad air, folks. A lot of people are going to just die from not being able to breathe the air. Not too many of us have... The type of masks that you would need to survive something like that—those little painters' masks and medical masks—are not sufficient. Just like for this coronavirus, uh, <clears throat> the only thing that those little ma- medical masks will do is help you from spreading it to someone else. But it will not—it's not tight enough to keep that virus from coming underneath it into you. But if you have it, it will help protect others you need you need highly scientific masks and and I forget the name of them right now but and they have to be tested and they have to be fitted to the individual in order to work so in this time there's a lot of other factors besides just the asteroid striking the earth and i'm gonna I'm gonna skip some of this um uh where he talks about how many asteroids have come and how fast they're traveling. You'll have to read that uh, in uh, the book for yourself. Praise God. There are many asteroids right now that are out there that have the potential to collide with Earth. So there's no trouble at all believing how that God can fulfill this prophecy in the book of Revelation. And the reason I think the Wormwood Prophecy by Tom Horn is very important is because it shows us again, you know, don't be scared, don't be terrified, don't freak out and don't become obsessed with this kind of thing. Obsession is not of God. Okay? Walk in faith and walk in the knowledge that one day soon, Jesus Christ is going to come back for us, hallelujah, and he's going to take us home to heaven, where we will be forever and forever and forever. I am not afraid. I I refuse fear. Fear sometimes tries to come. There's no question about it. But I refuse it in Jesus' name, and I plead the blood against fear in Jesus' name. These things are just to show us that God is more than able to keep His prophetic word in a myriad of different ways. Okay, so Apophis doesn't have to be wormwood. It doesn't have to be. The actual wormwood could happen approximately three and a half years after the rapture of the church. So if the rapture happened today, that in about three and a half years from this time, Wormwood would happen. It doesn't have to be Apophis. See, Apophis, uh, the, the, the view of it from the NASA officials and the NASA team, that is a secular scientific um, calculation. They're not factoring in Bible prophecy. They're not factoring in the rapture of the church. Most of them, you know, I'm sure there are some Christians that work for NASA or whatever, but most of them don't even believe in the rapture of the church. You getting what I'm trying to tell you? There's many things that could, God will have no problem fulfilling His word. Our God is not a liar. And God will do it in the way that He desires to do it. Hallelujah. And so this is a very interesting potential. And I, I love the thought that quite possibly within the next decade, or as Lester Summerall used to say, in the, within this next decade, the rapture of the church could take place. Think of it! Hallelujah. It's what we've been waiting for. It's what we've been longing for. It's what we've been hoping and praying for for so many years, Jesus to come back. Praise be to God forever and forever. No doubt, if Apophis is wormwood, it would be a fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, verses 31 and 32, and also Revelation 8. Chaos will ensue a strike of earth by Apophis. So we're we're plunged into what L. A. Marzulli describes as the days of chaos. In reality, uh, Brother Horn and Brother Marzulli and oh man, there's so many of them that I've that I love to study. Paul McGuire, others. We're already in the days of chaos, but we're not in the great tribulation. But things things climatically climatically. I think that's how you say it. I might butcher the King's English, folks, but I can preach the Word of God. Amen. (laughs) Um, Weather is going bonkers out there in some parts of the world. Everything's increasing. Signs of the times. The breakdown of society is another indicator of the days of chaos. But the Great Tribulation is really going to be the days of chaos. And if this asteroid strikes Earth, of course it will be no different. Now I want you to turn real quick uh, in your Bibles to the book of Zechariah, chapter 1. It's going to take me a minute to find it because I have my new King James here today and I usually use my King James. But uh, let me find it. Zechariah, it's... The very almost the very end of the Old Testament, if you don't know where it is. And let's read verses 14 through 18 together. Verses 14 through 18. So the angel who spoke with me said to me, Proclaim, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal, I am increasingly angry, listen to this, with the nations at ease. For I was a little angry, and they helped, but with evil intent. Therefore, thus says the Lord I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts, and a surveyor's line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Again, proclaims, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, My cities shall again spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion, and will again choose Jerusalem. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were four horns. And so we're going to leave off right there, because I'm not going to, these are the four craftsmen, but I'm not going to explain that verse right now. What I want to tell you is this. And if, if you follow along in the Revelation study, you will discover that I personally believe that the epicenter of the Great Tribulation will be localized. And it will be localized in the Middle East around the Mediterranean. It will be where... that Now, don't get me wrong, the Great Tribulation will affect the whole earth. Do you realize that one of the target... Strike zones of any asteroid or meteor that might strike Earth is the Great Lakes region. Now, I'm telling you that you could use a pun and say that's hitting pretty close to home for me. You know, so it's going to affect that the Great Tribulation will affect the whole world, but the localization, the epicenter and it flow the 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 results of the tribulation flow out from an epicenter and that epicenter will be around the Mediterranean Sea it will be the ancient empires of the past and it, the interesting thing to me about that is that all of those empires basically covered the same territories i mean and I'm not going to name them all in order or anything like that, but when Egypt ruled the world in the Egyptian Empire, it was the nations around the Mediterranean Sea and Egypt. Uh, when Babylon ruled, Babylon ruled, you know, parts of the Middle East, all of the part around the Mediterranean Sea. So did Medio Persia. So did Greece. And so the Roman Empire conquered those same territories. There are heavy demonic presences in those areas. Oddly enough, the Garden of Eden, which the center of that garden was most likely Jerusalem, but the Garden of Eden ran through, because you've got to remember it was 1,500 miles in either direction, because I personally believe the Garden of Eden is patterned after the New Jerusalem, So that's 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles square, 1,500 miles. It takes in the exact same territory where man fell. And demons, when man fell, forces entered the world that were never supposed to be here. Okay? But Adam opened that door when he changed lords. The Heavenly Father was no longer his lord and because of disobedience, the tragedy of disobedience, Satan became man's Lord. But God had a plan, and we know that plan all through the years, through the sacrificial systems, through the Ten Commandments, all the way down, Messiah was coming, the prophets Zechariah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, every one of those prophets, Amos, Amos, Nahum, all of them were crying out, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And then all of a sudden, at just the right time, the Bible says Jesus was born. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And now faith in Him, faith in what He did at the cross, restores us to God's fatherhood. There's a lie that's being taught in the world today that says it's the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. It says that that God is the father of all people and all people are brothers and sisters. That's not true. Jesus looked at the scribes and Pharisees. I think it's St. John 8 and 44. He looked them right in their face and He said, You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. So God is not the father of all men. God is the father of of men who are born again. Hallelujah, because Adam lost that privilege. Adam became a servant of the devil in his fall, and hence his progenitry also. Now God is the creator of all men, but He is the father of those who come to Christ and are born again. And then, All of our brothers and sisters are born again. Now, your natural biological brothers and sisters are your natural biological flesh brothers and sisters. But that's not what's spoken of in scriptural terminology. Okay, I don't want to get on to that because that's a whole... We need to do three, four programs just on that and I am running out of time. In the book... Tom Horn will give you not only the etymology of the name Wormwood, but he will give you various possible interpretations of Wormwood. Uh, There's parts of that on uh, pages 118 through 121. Tom goes into some detail in this book how this could be related to ancient demon spirits. I just talked about that. Read the book to learn this. I can't go into that in this book review program. The ancient gods little g are all demons so when you study Greek mythology for example (coughs) Greek mythology will name many of the ancient demons who control the empires of the ancient world Zeus, Apollos, uh, Diana uh, on and on and on it would go ancient demon deities of the Middle East Baal and Molech factor heavily into the last days. Tom Horn outlines in the book different interpretations of the Wormwood passage. Whichever interpretation is correct, and he, he'll tell you what he believes. He believes it's it's an asteroid. He believes it's a pulphys striking the earth. He's also going to give possible Uh, other interpretations, and whichever interpretation is correct, the results will be the same. Mass death. Mass death. In this book, Tom Horn references many, um, many uh, ancient tales of a god judging Egyptian and other deities. All of these deities, Ra, Sati, Hapi, Osiris, Sobek, Apepi, either do not exist or they are ancient demons that were worshipped by humanity after the fall of man. But ladies and gentlemen, today you and I know that there is only one true God. Hallelujah. His name is Jehovah. His name is Elohim. His name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The one true God of the Bible, and He will defeat Apepi. He will defeat Baal. He will defeat Molech. He will defeat Ra. He will defeat all of these demons that have captured the imagination of fallen humanity for centuries. But the true and the living God represented in the person of Jesus Christ will come back at the battle of Armageddon and he will put down the forces of the Antichrist, and all of these demon spirits will be forever cast into the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Praise God, I am excited. Let me tell you something, Christian. I don't care how hard life gets sometimes. You know, I've been through my hard times. Some of my hard times have lasted six years. Some some have lasted for For five years and on and on. There's been a few times in my life. Now it's not the majority of my time. But there have been long periods of time. I'll tell you this much. My God has never failed me yet. My God has never let me down. Jesus Christ has never disappointed me. Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. And I'll tell you this. Whatever we have to walk through, whatever we have to go through, whatever we have to put up with, whether it's persecution or whatever the case might be, even if we find ourselves in a position where we don't have that much to eat uh, and and we have to wear the same clothes every day, whatever the case might be, maybe we live in a hobble on the side of a road somewhere or deep in the rainforest and jungles. Let me tell you this. I would serve Jesus Christ. I would be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. And I would count it a great blessing to do so because this is the great God of the universe we're talking about. And one day he's coming back and he's bringing judgment with him. So as we close and wrap this up, look at all these the first trumpet. Revelation 7, the second trumpet 8 and 9, the third trumpet 10 and 11, and the fourth trumpet 12. Let's read that. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And then I looked In verse 13, I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 there's the three woes of the book of Revelation, to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. And look what we see when we get to Revelation 9, verse 1, the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling from heaven, to the earth. Now look at this. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. So, obviously one one time in in chapter 8 where the word star is used, it is literal. It's an asteroid strike. Actually, it looks like three strikes and a massive debris field coming in ahead of the strikes and then a massive... uh, Uh, uplifting of the debris once it hits, that darkens out the sun and the moon. It is possible that the sun will even be hit by something, and the moon will be hit by something. That is one possible interpretation. But this star in the ninth chapter of Revelation is figurative, it is symbolic, it is a hymn. And in the book, I'm going to leave off right there, but in the book, uh, Tom Horn uh, explains that a little bit. This is At this point, we're going to say it's an unidentified demonic him, an unidentified demonic being that will come and unlock the bottomless pit. You think of it. You think of what we're saying. So I want to close this book review of sorts. I'm going, to, I'm going to title it on the podcast, A Book Review of Sorts. Because it's really just kind of setting the stage for my partners who are going to be getting this book. And I encourage all of my listeners to buy the book. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it from Skywatch TV. But uh, I want to encourage you as we close today. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, you need to come to Him today. The Scripture tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. God does not want you to be here when He pours His wrath out on the rebellion of the people of earth. And on the rebellion of the demonic forces and Satan himself and the Antichrist and the false prophet, God doesn't want you to be here then. That's why He he told us about a time that the saints will escape the wrath. We were not appointed unto wrath, the Bible says. And you know what? If if that scares you, what, what we've talked about today, if that scares you and that scaring you brings you to a decision for Christ... That is fine. You'll learn more as you go along following Jesus. You'll learn that we're not afraid. We are joyful. And we are ready to go to be with our Lord and Savior in the rapture. Hallelujah. And so, so we're not afraid. And the other point that I made during, uh, briefly covered during the program today is that there's not going to be a total extinction event. The earth is going to be renewed, but it's never going to be totally destroyed. All of humanity is not going to be wiped out because we see later in the book of Revelation saved people going on into the millennium. But there's going to be hell on planet earth during the great tribulation. God wants to spare you that. And most of all, listen, more than even that, God wants to spend eternity with you. Man was his creation out of love. Man was his creation to fellowship with him. Man was the object of God's love, his choice creation of all that God has ever created. You were his choice and he wants to save you. And all you have to do is acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner and you need a savior. And God's got it covered. Jesus Christ. And so if you will ask Him to come into your heart today to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you in His precious shed blood, He will come in. And He will be the Savior and the Lord of your life. Now, walk in obedience to Him and He will teach you so many wonderful things. So please, please, If you have not received Christ, do so today. Do so today in Jesus' name. And until the next time that you and I can come and gather around the Word of God together, man, I'll tell you, this is Evangelist Len Paxton saying, Go with God, and He will go with you. Bless you.